0: Welcome everyone to Seek Go Create. This is the place where we redefine success, leadership, business, ministry. We mash all those together and we will be doing that today because we're going to be talking about things like disruption and destiny and God shift. I've got my guest joining me from Dallas, Texas and She's got a great book. She's got a podcast. She's got all types of things. We'll get to her in just a moment. I'll do a more proper introduction. But before I do that, I just want to remind everyone, continue going to our website at SeatGoCreate.com because we have so much free resources, so much stuff there, so much information. All of our episodes are are transcribed and they're not just transcribed word for word. The people that we have do it. They put it in outline form. They put timestamps on it. If our guest and I mention a book or resource or video or movie or anything, they will actually put a link to it all of that is on our website. Plus, there's some other op- opportunities there for you to get some free resources that we offer. Make sure you visit SeekGoCreate.com. Today, I've got Shana Rattler as our guest. She is the founder, listen to the name of this, of the God Shift Movement. What a cool name. We'll talk about that. She's a prophetic minister, author, and speaker who empowers individuals and organizations around the world to experience a God shift that moves them into greater destiny, expectancy and possibility man those words are awesome Shayna, welcome to seek
1: go create that girl sounds pretty cool (laughs) you want to you want to hear from her i'd like to hear from her
0: (laughs) well you're going to get to for the next 60 minutes plus you're going to get to hear from her i'm excited to talk to her too Shayna, welcome first question i'd like to ask If you and I don't know each other well, I feel like we're going to connect real well. I kind of know a good bit about where you're coming from, just from reading your book, your podcast, things like that. But let's just say we meet somewhere and don't know each other. And I ask you what you do. What do you usually tell people?
1: I transform Christian lives from the
0: page to the platform. Whoa, say that again. I need to hear that again.
1: I transform Christian lives from the page to the platform.
0: From the page to the platform. All right, I'm going to need to know some more on that. Tell me about the word transform.
1: Information is good, Tim, but information is not good if you can't do anything with it. And I'm a big proponent of transformation. And the only way we can transform is if we can apply information. And I believe, um, you know, pastors, and I can talk about preachers because I'm one of them myself, but I believe sometimes we don't do our congregation much good because we tell them all these ambiguous things like surrender, get in his presence, walk with the Lord, but we don't tell anybody how to do any of that. So we get preached happy on Sunday. i like, whoa, I'm going to walk with the Lord. And then on Wednesday, you realize, am I walking with him? How do you walk with him? And so I'm just a big person that is, you know, I'm going to give you information, but I'm going to give it to you in a way that you can actually implement it in your life because I think that that's the only way that you can really have transformation.
0: Yeah, that's good. All right, so you brought it up, so we're gonna go there. We don't always get what we need from our current church, environment, culture, or whatever. And I, I'm not one that beats around the bush I can be critical. I'm a, I'm a minister also and you know I love God. I love God's people, but sometimes I don't love the religion that we try to weave in and out of it. So so what are we doing in our current church? How do you assess it and all that and why do we need the why do we have the need for people like you and me to help people transform outside of those buildings that are 501c3s that have the word church written up on it?
1: Yeah you know, not to go too deep, but if we think about, go back and study the book of Acts when it talks about the original church and look at how they got the word into people's lives at that point, when religion came in and we could do a whole podcast on, you know, Constantine and how things got changed and why we have religion now instead of relationship. But there are many, um, how do I want to say this? There are many people within the constructs and confines of a church that have been conditioned to do things the way that they've always done them because they really haven't studied for themselves to see that it's not, the be- it's not supposed to be the way that it's supposed to be. Um, I believe that there are a lot of people who are in leadership inside of organizations that are scared to go against what has always been done. Number one, the hardest thing to let go of is what we had in mind and what we've always done. And two, there's a lot of pressure to keep people within your church. And so if you're going to keep some people within your church, you have to avoid change. And I believe that in this day and age, particularly post-COVID, even though some people will argue whether or not we're really on the other side of COVID or not, but I'll say post-shutdown where you weren't allowed to go a lot of places, it's more important than ever for those of us who are a little more willing to be open with the way that we, like you and I have our own platforms. We can say whatever it is that we want to say it, however we want to say it. Now we're not going to go rogue because we are accountable to God in what it is that we do and how responsible we are with our platforms. But we don't have to worry about, you know if if you don't continue to go here, I won't have your tithes and my salary won't be paid and my lights won't stay on. And so I believe that it's important for those of us that recognize that there are some things that are missing in the church. It's our responsibility to give people a place that they can go to be fed. And more importantly, to build the muscles that traditional church just is A, not equipped to build and B, is not bold enough to help you build.
0: Mm, goodness, Shana, so you just pulled my string, man. This is just stuff that I, it, and, and in many ways it makes my blood boil because I see a lot of abuse and challenges and issues in the leadership of some of these organizations that quote unquote use that term church. And the way I like to term it, I love how you said relationship, not religion. And I think that's a great way of saying it. Something that I've layered on top of that, that I notice from a lot of these leaders and, and we'll call it pastors and things like that. Not all of them. I hate to I hate to generalize, but they're yeah. building they're building their kingdom, not the kingdom. They continue trying to control people and keep them under their thumb so they can make their mortgage payments, pay their staffs. And and listen, I'm all for people being paid and I'm all for people paying their bills, but maybe we haven't structured it correctly. So I love what people like you are doing to get, we'll call it the word that's used in Scripture, to disciple people, to help them move along the path towards what they are created to do their assignment in god's kingdom let's back up a little bit before we did you want to respond to that because i I, no, I, was, I, was only
1: gonna, no, I was only going to say that i believe the traditional church is they do a pretty good job of teaching us how to grow where we're planted but they don't do a good job of teaching us how to go they don't teach us how to how to how to grow well without outside of the church and many of them to to your your you're you're mentioning that they, they don't really understand leadership. They don't understand that my job is to equip you in here so that you can go out there and sometimes out there is not going to be attached to, to me in here. So stop teaching people how to grow where they're planted and actually teach them how to go because that's what's missing is that we're taught all these things about God, but we're not taught how to move. We're taught how to question him. We're taught how to continue to, you know, ask for confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. But very many, very few of us will go. We know that the steps of a good man are ordered, but what good is your steps being ordered if you're not going to move your feet?
0: That's right. If you're just going to hang out and be comfortable, you know, warm, warm the pew and and, uh, you know, I, snarky here and just work in the parking lot, you know, or something like that, which if, if that's where you're called to do that, work in the parking lot. Work but, it. Uh, but Shana, I, I want to back up a little bit because one of the things I like to do is kind of pull back the layers and see how some people like you in the leadership role and, and, and the position you're in, how you kind of came to be. I'm, we're not gonna go full on origin story here, but back up, did you grow up in, around the church? Did you come to the church later? What, talk a little bit about your, your journey and layer in faith wherever you want to there.
1: Yeah, so quite the opposite. I did not grow up in church. I can remember being a young girl, maybe six or seven at the most, and my grandmother would get me up in the morning she would get me dressed for church. She would give me a dime and she would send me down to this little AME church that was on the corner. She probably knew nothing about that church. She probably knew nothing about what they believed in, what they preached, whatever. But I think for her, it was important for me to go. Now, it wasn't important enough for her to go because you, you heard I say she sent me. Um, and although I would hear my grandmother, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother. So my parents separated when I was six years old and my dad got custody you don't hear of that very often and you definitely don't hear of that very often in the black community, especially if the child is a girl. And so since I was raised by my dad, I spent a lot of time with his mother who was obviously way older you know, than I was. And although I would hear her pray at night before she went to sleep and I would hear some little colloquialisms you know, about, about God, that was pretty much the extent of it. So I didn't grow up in church And when I was in the fourth grade, there was a family that moved to town that really gave me an inside look at what it means to live for God. Not just what you do on Sundays, but really to live for God, you know, throughout the week. But even with that, if I wasn't at their house, I wasn't I wasn't in church. Fast forward to high school. My boyfriend's mom would pick me up on church on Sundays and I would go. But I don't even even know that I was paying attention. Can't even tell you what the pastor looked like. So I didn't really get serious about seeking God um, for myself until my twenties. And then I wouldn't get what I was called sold out, like to actually live according to what it was that I was hearing until I was in my early thirties, which was interesting to me because when the Lord called me to ministry, I thought, but I didn't grow up in church. And if you didn't go up in church, you didn't go to Sunday school. If you didn't go to Sunday school, you don't know the stories. And if you don't know the stories, how are you going to help anybody do anything? So that's, that was kind of my path, you know, like send me to church with a dime. Why do I have to give them my money Um, all the way up until, you know, my early 30s where I was like, I don't want I, I don't want to be just your average believer that believes that there is a God and goes to church. I actually mm-hmm. want to live my life according to what the word says. So it, it took me a very long time you know, to get there on my own because I didn't have outside sources telling me this is what you should do and this is how you should do it. I had to discover the, the need and the desire for that on my own.
0: So, you know, one thing that kind of came to me as you were saying that I, I had grandparents. I was similar. I mean, we kind of went in and out of church a little bit on the, on the big days, you know what I mean? The important days that you needed to be seen or, or, or whatever and get dressed up. But uh, but I was actually thinking, boy, the music was probably pretty darn good in an AME church because that, that Southern Baptist church that I went to was not that great. Yeah, <laughs> and I worked. couldn't
1: tell you. I don't remember that either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I was sitting there thinking, you know, you said you sort of heard the whispers in all of your grandmother. I found out years later that the, my grandparents on my dad's side were some praying people that I, I kind of knew they were. But then I got a hold of some of their prayers that they had written. They were praying for us all along. I think your grandmother wow. was praying for you.
1: Probably so. Only thing I could remember is it just, it, it wasn't audible. It was just, and I'd ask her every night, what are you talking about? What are you saying? The only thing she would tell me is none of my business. <laughs>
0: That that reminds me, one of the funny stories I've got, my grandfather on my mother's side uh, around the table Thanksgiving one time, my grandmother asked him to pray, his name was Olin, and, uh, and he was praying kind of like, you know, kind of a mumble. And my grandmother, in the way that she can only do said, Owen, we can't hear you. And he said, Mildred, I'm not talking to you.
1: Right. Right. (laughs) None of your business.
0: Which is what prayer is all about. But so so something happened in the thirties, in your thirties, that, that caused a change or a deeper relationship or something was, was there an event that occurred there or was it just a gradual process?
1: I think more so than anything, Tim, is that as I was evaluating my life and I was looking at how other areas of my life were evolving and progressing, I felt like every other area of my life was getting more commitment and obviously therefore having more growth than what I knew to be the most important area of my life. And so I didn't have any other reason other than just to say, because I'm one of those people that like. I don't, I don't do anything that I can't be good at. I don't do anything that I can't give 145% to. And I recognized that I was not giving 145% to my walk with God. And I was like, well, that's stupid. You know, you're focusing on your business and your, your health and your everything else that you care about at 145%, but you're probably giving God 65. Like, does that make sense to you? And so I said, self, no, it doesn't. <laughs>
0: So, so you weren't necessarily running away from no. God. He was, he was still there, and he was just a small sliver in your life, and and right. needed to be a bigger. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? So,
1: absolutely. It just he you, wasn't first.
0: What were you doing professionally or work-wise? What were you doing during that time?
1: I was a therapist. I, I'm actually licensed as an occupational therapist, and so I was practicing therapy and also had a healthcare staffing agency as well.
0: Interesting, interesting. So it was a gradual process. So what did you do then at that time? Because I I know that there are people listening in going, hmm, I've been in the same situation that she was in. I feel like I need to go deeper. What did you do? What was the, what was the activity or the, the mindset that you had to uh, develop that relationship more?
1: I can now eloquently say that for every spiritual principle, there's a practical application um, and I've never been asked that question before, I've never even really given any thought to it. But now that I force myself to think back, I've always been um, a real good note taker. And I've always been a list maker. And so I would think back to I'm taking these notes as either people are preaching or I'm listening to something, you know, online and I'm writing things down, but I don't ever go back and look at it. And so I just started saying, like, I don't really know what to do. I mean, I already pray and pay tithes and you know like some of the basic things that that we know to do but i thought well what if i would just go back and actually look at the stuff that i wrote down and begin to implement those things in my life just like i would do if i was at a business conference i would write down th- you know steps of how to do something and then i wasn't even off the plane yet and i was already implementing those so i had to just say well listen you're going and you're writing all this stuff down you've got drawers of notebooks that you've been writing stuff down, what would happen if you just started with that? What would happen if you just went back and looked at some of the things that you wrote down and actually did those things? And I just kind of did that until, number one, it became a habit, and then number two, until I developed, you know, you know, some more tools to, to use.
0: Yeah, so that is fascinating for the, those of us that are note takers and go to conferences and all, to actually apply the things that we... <laughs> What a, what, a what a radical, what a radical what a concept here. Oh my gosh, people are going, oh my goodness, their heads are exploding right now. Yeah. So so uh, just just a little bit deeper because this, this area of how we grow spiritually, to me is the power that most Christians, it's the transformation that most Christians are missing. And I'm pointing mm-hmm. to my notes over here where I took notes when you were talking earlier and you said that you transform people from the page to the platform so that that the transformation that you went through there were probably some regular habits that you took from those notes and began applying what were some of those things and some of those rhythms could be different now but what was that early in that growth uh time frame like i'll give you an example i remember one of the things that i did that helped my growth was i started reading a chapter from Proverbs every day for the day of the month. And I look back now and I'm going, that was pretty basic. Yeah. But it was pretty substantial in my growth. Anything like that, that you have this like a tip that people are going, ooh, that would that would be awesome.
1: I don't know that I could pull a specific tip from that standpoint, just because I was, I was whatever the paper said, you know, I, I kind of did it. But I think that that in and of itself is a revelation. There's things that we have to do. What I say to people now is that, we have to recognize that we have a role in God's will for our lives. Think about anytime you've ever been part of a project, right? You're on a team and you're in a project. Never has there been a time that it's the responsibility of the leader to do everything. Every single person on the team has a role to play. But when we think about our relationship with God, because we've been taught that he's all powerful, that he's everywhere at the same time, that, you know, he can, he can do nothing, but, you know, he can't fail and all these things that are true. I believe that those things have handicapped us and made us undercompensate for what it is that we should be doing. And so we treat God like since you're the leader and since you're the one that's in control and has the control, then that must mean that I should just sit back and let you do everything. And so what I recognize now is that I have a role to play. It's a a relationship. It's not just the leader to do everything. I have a piece, you know, to play as well. And what I recognize now is that using my mouth is the most powerful weapon that I have as a believer. And that's what I think has really been, if we fast forward to the last several years of my life, has been the key component to breakthrough and, and success, if you want to call it that is because i have been learned to not just move my feet but let my mouth do the walking
0: so when someone says that i always envision how that came to be and so uh, i'm gonna i still want to go through a little bit of the journey and so i'm gonna ask well were you quiet oh god no on in your life i I was gonna say i don't
1: see i've never been quiet my third grade (laughs) teacher my third grade teacher, Mr. Miller, I was the very first class that he had ever had after being a student teacher. He put my desk inside of a refrigerator box and called <laughs> it Miller's mousetrap because I talked so much. So no, I've never been quiet. I just did not always know how to make sure that my speech was in alignment with what it is that I actually wanted to happen.
0: Yeah, and we and we also need to train ourselves to listen when we're supposed to listen because I actually yeah kind of have that, uh, we'll call it superpower, but our superpower can also be our kryptonite if we, you know, if it, if we don't use it in the correct way. Yeah. So w- what happened along the way, your journey now, a lot of people have this thought that when you commit your life to the Lord and you go all in that everything is just sunshine and unicorns and everything's awesome. And you've got money in the bank account and you're healthy, wealthy, wise. So from the time you of your early thirties to now, everything's just been incredible. Correct?
1: I wish that were the case, but it probably has just been the exact opposite because, you know, Ooh, tell, us about, tell, tell us about it. Tell us about it. I'm a bigger threat now. You know what I mean? Like I read somewhere online a couple of years ago and it said thieves don't break into empty houses. And so I'm leery of a person that the enemy never attacks them. I'm leery of a person that never has trials in their life, especially if they're telling the truth. Some people want you to believe that they're, they've are they got it all together and that nothing ever goes, you know, wrong in their life and that their children are perfect and they always have more than enough and, you know, whatever. But I'm leery of a person that never experiences any level of trial because I'm thinking the reason why Satan fights us as hard as he does is because we're a threat to him and we're a threat to you know, the kingdom of darkness, he would much rather us just continue to do all the things that we shouldn't be doing and believing all the things that we shouldn't believe because he has a better opportunity to use us. So no, absolutely not. Um, I've never I've never been in a season of my life where I haven't had what I needed. I haven't always had what I wanted and very seldom if ever do things go exactly the way I wish that they would go. I mean, even at the time of this recording, um, I had a house that went up for sale an in investment property That went up for sale that was supposed to close September the 27th. They promised me a three-day close. At the time of this recording, it is October the 27th, exactly 30 days later, and I'm on my second buyer and still have not closed and have turned my phone over because I'm sick of seeing the emails and stuff that are going back and forth. And for all intents and purposes, this should have been a three-day close. So, So no, things have not gone exactly like I would want them to, but I now have a better understanding of trusting God through the process and realizing that almost always when we look back, we see why things had to happen the way that they did. Um, I heard someone say recently, Tim, that you know, when people say God hasn't answered my prayers, he always answers them. He just doesn't answer them the way that we that we think he should or that he would.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I think one of the things that we could go back to what we talked about earlier with With church and and a lot of it this is the Americanized or first world Christianity. And that is this thought that everything's perfect, everything's awesome. I've I've said this before. I spent some time around a prosperity gospel, hardcore prosperity gospel message. And I believe in prosperity, I really do. But in general, the entire American uh, experience is prosperity gospel. We think that life should be comfortable. It should be easy. And what we've learned over the past few years is that that is probably not the case. I think I think we're really tested during times when it's really tougher and more challenging. So, yeah. uh, so all right, think so- back uh, to
1: what I, Think back to what I said when we first got on the line. You asked me how I was doing. Do you remember my response?
0: I don't think I do. Tell me again. I
1: said, I said, I'm grateful. And that's my response, regardless of what my my circumstances are. When someone asks me how I'm doing, my response is always, I'm grateful. Because regardless of what I see with my natural eyes, I try to always remind myself of what it is that I see with my spiritual eyes. Regardless of what my current circumstances are, I still have so much in spite of that to be grateful for. And so sometimes, that's as much for me as it is other people. Like, I'm not one of those people that, how are you doing? Oh, blessed and highly favored, just because you think it sounds deep. You know, I, that's more for myself. You know, how are you doing? I'm grateful. Now, the truth of the matter is, is that before we got on the call, I was having to have a conversation with somebody about like, why did you not just do what it is that you wanted to do? So like, when you asked me how I was doing, I could have been like, oh my God, these people are not doing, mm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate you sharing that because, you know, those of us that have been around the real estate business and investing and things like that, we know at times how frustrating the uh, delayed closing could be. My joke used to be when someone said we plan to close by the end of the month, my next question was, which month are you referring to so that I can make note of it? Because I I would like to know which month instead of this month, is it some other month? So.
1: My buyer got to the closing table and decided, oh, you know what? I don't think I can pay this for it. The day of closing at the closing table, you know what? I think I should offer $25,000 less. Really? Mm-hmm. Now, today? I- I've already signed my paperwork and notarized it and sent it back. Now, today, you want to decide you can't pay for it, but you contracted to pay for it. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting world.
0: So, Shana, your journey after after that time that you, I, I like to call it going all in, you decided that you were going to not just have, uh, you know, Jesus as your savior, he was also going to be Lord, you know, Lord and yeah. savior over all areas of your life. And I've been through similar uh pats also um tell it bring us up to where we are now and and then we want to get talking you know talk about the book and god and all that what all happened in the interim in that gap uh, between yeah. then and now it was probably you said you were in your 30s so that was probably a couple weeks ago right
1: <laughs> yeah i'll be 45 soon um <laughs> the-
0: i did not ask i want it to be noted i did not ask <laughs> i don't care if you ask i'll be
1: 45 on december the 16th so i'm getting there um Things went well business wise. I was a business. I started off as a general business coach. And then at the time that I was called to ministry, I was actually teaching small business owners how to land corporate contracts and corporate sponsors. I was making a buttload of money. I had celebrities and politicians as clients. I was speaking, you know, in different countries. Everything was going well until I like to say everything was going well until it wasn't. And um at that point in 2018, when the Lord allowed everything to dry up, I say that was my God shift moment. Um, that's when I was called to ministry was in the da, 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 da. So at some point in 2018, I get my seasons mixed up. but at some point during th- 2018, everything in my business dried up and I was being called to called to ministry. wasn't sure you know what that was going to look like because if you remember, I, I had forgotten the scripture that says that the Lord doesn't call the qualified that he qualifies the call because I came up with all of the reasons why there was no way that he could use me in that capacity. The main being what I shared with you in the beginning is that I didn't grow up in church and I didn't. And even though I know I know scripture and I know that it's in there, I don't necessarily even to this day, I don't always know exactly you know, where it is. But I don't know the stories. Like, it, nothing drives me more bananas than to be sitting and listening to a preacher like, "Y'all know the stories. So and so went up and came down." Uh, hello, no, I don't. And I don't expect you to go deep because you paraphrase because I and now I have no context. And so I looked at like, Lord, how are you going to use me to minister to somebody if I don't even really feel like I know the stories? Like, the, the Lord just chastised me and said, "Well, if the stories is what you don't know. Go, leave, go learn the stories." And I got a Bible for children book <laughs> just learn the stories. Like if that's the only thing that you feel like is standing in the way of what I've asked you to do is that you don't know the stories. There's a whole lot of resources out there where you can learn, learn the stories. It was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so in 2018 is when I accepted the fact that I was being called to ministry and that the skills and the gifts and the talents that the Lord had given me that I had been using to build the marketplace for so many years that hear this, he wasn't asking me to change a whole lot about who I was or what I was doing. He just wanted me to use it to now, you know, be able to, to build his kingdom. And that, that transition came straddled between the year of 2018, 2019.
0: So did you shut down all the business or did it shut down? I mean, we had our businesses shut down on their own without me. (laughs) <laughs> trying very yeah. hard. Did you shut down those? And this is the question that a lot of people have is like, okay, so all of a sudden now, did the money start coming in from ministry or did, was it just a, was it just a transition? Was it just a transition into something a little bit different? What did that look like?
1: So in business, um, I was making a lot of money. I was speaking a lot of different places and that had already began to dry up. The Lord uses disruption and unexpected circumstances to get our attention. Yep. And, you know, For those of you who are listening, if you have children, especially those of you who have may may have more than one child, you know what's going to get your children's attention. And so he knew that if he was calling me to do something different, he couldn't allow. So when I say it dried up, it dried up in June and July of 2018. I put my mortgage on a credit card. And so I had gone from, you know by April, I was usually always at six figures. And now here we are June and July, and I don't even have enough money to cover my basic, my basic expenses. And so in the book, you've read it, the very first thing the book says is what the hell is going on? Because that's what I found myself doing. But here's what's crazy, is that right prior to that, it had been prophesied to me that it was time for me to write my next book. Now, disclaimer, every time I write a book, I say I'm never writing another book, and I'm now writing another book. And so i had just spent thirty two thousand dollars on the launch of that book yes i said thirty two thousand i spent the lord told me to write the book i wrote the book i spent thirty two thousand dollars to market it and right after that was when he was like i'm calling you to ministry i was like wait a minute i got i got all kinds of questions bro like you told me to go write this book i spent all this money on this launch now you want me to go do something else like that's how i talk to god um and so, no, everything dried up in the business. So, by the time that I had accepted the fact that I was being called to ministry, there wasn't anything going on in the business that was even worth trying to put a lot of oomph behind. So it was kind of like, it was good. I didn't have to even focus on that at all. The good thing for me is that I'm a licensed occupational therapist and as healthcare workers, we're always going to be in need and I had always kept my license up. So it was nice for me to be able to pick it up if I needed to pick it up, put it down if I was able to put it down. And so what I did was, is during the transition between closing down my business and really ramping up in ministry, I just filled the gap uh, by, by by practicing therapy. So no, it wasn't a smooth transition um, in terms of, you heard me say earlier, the hardest thing to let go of is what you had in mind. And I had a whole lot in mind that I was gonna do, you know, in this corporate attraction space. Um, and so I begrudgingly said, well, I guess I gotta pay my bills. I guess I'll go treat some patients, poor patients. <laughs> yeah,
0: I just, uh, uh, yeah. But I didn't wanna be there. I'm only I'm only here because I've got nothing else to do. I'm so. only here
1: because I have, because I have to, <laughs> I and I'm have grateful. To Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful <laughs> for the fact that I do have something that I can pick up and put down. And when I pick it up, it's it's lucrative. You know, it, it makes me a lot of money. It made me a lot of money before I, you know, went into to business for myself. It made me a lot of money. So I'm grateful for that. So kind of went business dried up, practice therapy until you figure this out this ministry thing out. And, you know, that's kind of where we are now with, you know, a God shift being up and running fully.
0: Sure. But before we kind of get into the God shift, I've got a copy of the book here. Well, I've got some highlights that I want to ask you about. I I want to find out because it's very obvious to me. I I, I probably knew this before the conversation, but the conversation is just driving it home hard is that you are uh, a high energy Task-driven, you get stuff done type person, and and at times, those types and ask me how I can relate to it. Um, and my wife is behind me here; she's the same. At time, those types will get some things in their mind and take off running, and we can get ahead of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's ever happened for you. If it hasn't, say, no, Tim, I have no idea what you're talking about. But what I'd love to, for you to discuss or, or just share is what are some of the pros of that personality style as far as operating within God's kingdom and what his calling and desires are for us? And then, what are some cons of having that personality
1: style yeah. and operating?
0: Can, does that make
1: sense? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. And I talk about this a little bit in the book is that the pros of that is that we're always in action. We're not procrastinators. We're not somebody that you talk to me three months later and I'm still just talking about the same thing. I'm not waiting to pray about it and ask 40 people about it and waiting for Pluto to get in line with Mars. And I'm, I'm not that person. I'm I'm in action quickly. However, the downside of that is, and this is one of the biggest lessons that I hope everybody ever learns when they ever hear my story. My second God shift moment was, is that even though, so let me back up and say in April of 2019, I was on a spiritual retreat in Bali, Indonesia. And on that retreat, the Lord showed me very vividly what my ministry was going to consist of, Tim. He said, you'll preach and teach in stadiums, you'll have a television show and you'll work with celebrities and politicians. And I thought, oh, that's awesome and more than likely by the time i get back to dallas that's not going to be on my desk waiting for me so i thought what is it that i teach my clients who have hired me as their business coach i tell them all the time the lord will bless what you put your hands to so make sure that you're in action what can you give him to bless well the mm-hmm. problem was is that i took the new vision that god gave me and i filtered it through old perspective what does that mean that means that if you've been in an industry any amount of time, or you've done something a certain way for a a certain amount of time, you begin to see everything through that lens. So you and your wife could tell me that you are going to create this new natural organic candle line. And I would say, oh, you know what? You can create a coaching business telling them how to burn it and charge them $3,500. So even though I clearly heard the Lord say stadiums, television shows, celebrities and politicians, I came home and created a a coaching business because that's what I had always done. And the lesson in, in that is yes, you need to give him something to bless, but watch this, you have to at least give him a version of the vision to bless and I didn't do that. And so when I came home from that trip and I look at what I created for the remainder of 2019 and for the remainder of 2020, It never really gained the traction that it should have, because if anybody knows how to create and grow a coaching business, it's me. I've been in that world learning those things since 2007, but that's not what he told me. I didn't even give him a version of the vision to bless. And so the good thing is is that those of us that are task oriented is that we get it done. The problem is, is that we can run off so fast that we're running in the wrong direction quickly. And that's that's what I did. And I wasted I, nothing is wasted, but I, I I took a I took a good year and a half chunk out of a godship being what it what it could be because I created a a, a coaching business out of it.
0: Yeah, would would you say that you're a patient person? Not at you... all. That's
1: a cuss word. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, because because <laughs> one of the things I've found, Shana, is that timing is also something that I try to add my own timing. To things, and you just brought up, uh, you know, what was prophesied to you, and it didn't. I didn't hear it. May have had some times attached to it. I've never had God give me anything, speak anything to me that really had a time attached with it. But now I try to attach time to it, and that's where I get in a little bit of trouble. Do you ever do that? Do you ever try to? Oh yeah, you put said I should write a
1: book. Guess what I'm doing that night? Coming up with the title, ma- making the outline, um, and I do believe that. I don't believe that I missed, I don't, I don't believe that i that I didn't hear him correctly. What I do think is that he set me up. I believe that he set me up to learn how to trust him at a deeper, at a deeper level to go, okay, Lord, you told me to do something. I did it. And now you're asking me to do something that appears to be, you know, the, the complete opposite of that. And I was worried if I'm just being completely honest, I was worried that when I said yes to God, that I was going to have to say no to strategy. Well, that's not the case because one of the things that people tell me all the time, whether they're reading something that I've written or whether they're listening to something that I've said is that, Shana, you have such a way of breaking things down that I can't help but to understand what to do with the information. That's strategy. And so nothing will be wasted. The Lord is always taking us into an and season. Very seldom, you know, is he just going to let us waste all of our education and all of our experiences just to do this, this new thing, like every it's, an, we're entering into an end season, not a, not a war season where, you know, nothing is wasted.
0: Yeah. I love that because that confirms something that I believe he spoke to me when I was going through some of the things I've done in the past, some of the things that were extremely successful and then they weren't, or they were seasons. I love how you used the term seasons earlier because I think that's really what life is all about. That's the rhythm of life or seasons. There were seasons that we did things and I'm going, why was that Lord? And I I believe the Lord said, and I think it's what I heard you say, this is my wording, is that nothing that we've been through will be wasted. Everything will be used for the purpose of advancing his kingdom. And so I hold on to that and say, you know what? That was kind of a junky time in life. And he goes, nope, you, you learned some things. Could have been just humility. Could have been patience, yeah. but we yeah. learned things, right?
1: I, I also think that there's a difference between assignment, calling, purpose, and destiny. And we use those terms interchangeably as if they mean the same thing. Yeah. And yeah. assignment is, you know, what is your current assignment? Who are you currently called to help? If I look back over my life, from preteen of uh, volunteering at a nursing home and some of the things that I did in that capacity, to business coach, to uh, you know, to therapist, to business coach, to now, you know, being in the faith-based space, my purpose has always been to help people's dreams come true. But I've had different assignments, and oftentimes we don't give ourselves permission to recognize that assignment has expired, and we want to hold on to that assignment for for dear life. And many times. We, we need to recognize that assignments change with the se- the season. Our calling, which is how you help people, can can change a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, purpose is why we're here and the impact that we're supposed to have never changes. And our destiny is where our purpose is, is taking us. So I've had different assignments throughout my life, but my purpose has always been to help people's dreams come true
0: yeah i like that i use a similar term i talk about assignments and i will say even as micro as my current assignment right now for the next x number of minutes is this conversation yeah it is whatever he wants to do with this conversation so let's do a little bit of a shift i've got the book right here a god shift okay that that i've read yeah and a great book a divine move from disruption to destiny. Give us a little bit of the formation. So somewhere along the way, this term God shift occurred, which is a great term, by the way. How did that materialize? Where did that come from? Now there's podcasts, there's books, there's other things related to it. How did that come about?
1: Yeah. So I'll start by saying, what is the definition? Because like yourself, when people hear a God shift, they're like, oh, that's cool. But of course they have no idea what it means. So my definition of a God shift is the moment of disruption in your life collides with God's purpose and moves you into a greater destiny. It came about at the end of 2020, because if you remember, I said in 2019, the Lord showed me very vividly what my ministry would consist of, but I came home and created a coaching business out of it. So at the end of 2020, I did what all good business people do. And I say, well, what needs to, to no pun intended, what needs to shift for the next year? Do I need to recalibrate my message? Is it the audience? I just knew that what I had created over the last year and a half was not really, I didn't really love it. And I felt like it was too small for me. I really felt like the anointing of my life was so much bigger than what I had created. And so I spent probably three days leading up to the very end of 2020 with legal pet pieces of paper balled up around my entire house because everything I wrote sounded a lot like what I'd already created. Everything I wrote, I didn't love that either. So these papers are all over my house. I called on uh, two of my best business friends and I said, listen, y'all, I know that everybody is gearing up for New Year's Eve, but can I please get the the two of y'all on a Zoom for 20 minutes, I need some help. So we get on that Zoom and an hour and a half into the two and a half hour conversation that was supposed to be 20 minutes, I told them. I said I didn't know to word it like this at the time, but I said I'm looking for something that is like worthy of a movement. Like I'm not looking for a tagline. I'm not looking for a program, but something is not working. And so, one of the girls on the line, she looked at me and said, "Like only she can." Like, well, what did God show you? And so she's like, "Well, dummy, why don't you create that?" And so in the in the get, in the un, the getting of that understanding. I said, well, you know what? I was like, I've been saying to people for a last, you know, for the last year and a half, like, if you're going to get on the other side of whatever it is, is that you're experiencing, a God shift is required. And she goes, whoa, 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 wait, stop. That's it. A God shift. Like you help people experience a God shift. Well, well, they're in the middle of a God shift, but what you do is teach them how to respond so they get where it is that they need to be. And for some of us, it's you know, what do we need to see? What do we need to learn? For many of us, is where, where do we need to go next? But I believe that so many of us are pursuing the wrong place, whether that's a physical place, in our relationships, in our, you know, mindset, anything that we're putting energy into, Tim, that is not on the path that God has planned for us. He's so committed to the results in our lives that he's going to use whatever he has to, to shake us up and get our attention. But that attention is an invitation, that disruption in our lives is an invitation to the next level of destiny that that awaits us. And so she said, you know, it's a God shift. Um, you know, this is what a God shift is. You know, you you know the framework and all of the things that they need to do in order to partner with God to get to where it is that He's taking them. And from that night, in true Shana fashion, I trademarked or started the process to trademark it. I rebranded the podcast. I started that book that's in your hand. I started creating the television show because that's what Shane does. She gets an idea and off to the races. And so it's going going well. It's gaining traction. Um, I think it's important for us to realize that, like I said earlier, we have a role in God's will for our lives. So if you are experiencing disruption, if you are experiencing unexpected circumstance, don't look to God for everything he's going to do. Look to yourself and say, what is it that I also can be doing in order to partner with God to go where he wants me to
0: go. Yeah. And I appreciate you giving the definition because one of my highlights that I've got here on, I've got the physical book, page eight is your definition. And the thing that I like about it, and you may have brought this up is that it to become the person he needs you to be. And I think this is an important add on here in order to accomplish what he needs you to do. I think many times it's going back to our earlier conversation. We think it's what we need to do, but it's what he needs us to do. I do have a question and I, and I can't recall if I highlighted this, this somewhere or not. I love that you referenced Matthew six thirty three, one of my favorite scriptures, but, um, how do we know if something is a, an attack, a new season a disruption a nudge from god uh yeah i don't know uh us just messing up is there any way to discern or know that or or do we just go with it
1: yeah a little of both so um i had a spiritual father of mine this time last year introduce me to a concept that i think is phenomenal um, just to give you a little con- context, I had opened an assisted living facility and ended up having to shut it down because I found out that the state was two years behind on licensure and I didn't have ten dollars or $12,000 a month to spend every month for two years until I got licensed, right? And so he says, we always want to blame everything on an attack of the devil. He said, sometimes we're under attack and sometimes we're under alert, If we're, he said, you have to know how to discern the difference, pray and ask God to show you. But he says, if we're under attack, then obviously we fight. We're not going to just give in to what it is that the devil is trying to do in our lives. He says, but other times we're under alert. And when we're under alert, that is by God. Anytime either there's no grace on something that you're doing or the grace has ran out, it's usually because we are either outside of God's will or outside of his timing. And so But with that being said, and I just did a reel on this on my Instagram a couple of days ago, and I said, you know, if you really want to know if what you're hearing is the voice of the Lord, you can do that by staying in his word and communing with him through prayer. But sometimes we don't have to know. And what I said was, I said, I was like, okay, wait a minute before you, you know, stone me. Sometimes we don't have to know because if we have been praying for something and we know, you know, what the word says and opportunities are arising and messages are coming up and people are saying things and we're passing billboards that are in alignment with whatever it is that we've prayed for or with what God's word says let that be enough for you to move forward because i think god is a great gps and you know if i go left when i'm supposed to go right he knows how to reroute me and get me on the right thing so don't stay so stuck and in inaction because you want to take you want to go through this whole algorithm of how do you figure out whether is it's god's voice or is it my voice is it is it is whatever you're hearing or thinking is it against the word of god if the answer to that is no then just move and see how god responds so yes sometimes we can know what it is and then sometimes we don't have to fully know can you be five percent sure like let that be (laughs) enough
0: i think that's so powerful because it it speaks to the thing that some personalities desire and that is they want control and they want to be in charge and they want to know the answers and we want to know what it's going to look like not not just today but tomorrow and steps down the road and i i think it's just a reminder to me maybe you and others is that god is god and we're not and and that he is the one that will lead and guide us for i love like your definition here to, to accomplish what he needs us to do in his timing and and and, those and recognizing
1: things. that he's the one that's responsible for the how. The how is none of our business. <laughs> you know, like mm. you don't one, we don't have to know the how. And two, we don't have to know the how that's way out into the the deep yonder. Like, find out what you need to do for the next step and let that be enough. Like I think it's Psalm 119 and 105 that says. That the word is a lamp into our feet and light into our path. Nowhere in there, my Bible—I don't care what version you look at it—it it never says a light into the distance.
0: Do we need to know but the why? We, do we, need we to know stay stuck
1: because we can't see into the distance? It's like he—he didn't, he didn't promise you that. He said, "I light your path." Take a step.
0: Yeah, I light your to, path. A step. Do we? Do we need to know the why? Also, I'm just sitting here thinking. Wonder if we need to know the why
1: also. I very seldom do. I understand the why until after the fact. Yeah.
0: No, I think the Lord told me, he says, there are, there's always a bigger picture, Tim. And I'm going, but I want to know the bigger picture. And he goes, mm, you can't handle it. You can't handle it. Yeah. I'm picture. like, do
1: you really? <laughs> well, um, you know, if I, if I would have seen, um, you know, some of the things that I've had to go through to get to, you know, to where I am, I could have gotten excited, you know, about, you know, Ooh, God has promised me this. But if I would have seen the obstacles that I would have ran into, I'm like, that's all right. I don't think that the, the, the um, what do they say when you risk and reward? I don't think that the reward is great enough to go through all this risk. I think I'll just let you have it. Put that in the shelf. <laughs> Put that in a box well, with my name on it. I,
0: I highlighted a number of things, but there's just one thing that I want to bring up as we uh, as we start considering wrapping up here is that it's this is kind of a pet peeve or, or really something that, that, that really I noticed quite a bit. I notice you talk about destiny blockers. Don't block mm-hmm. your shift. And there's a few of them here. One of them is timing, but this number two was one that was interesting. I'm gonna let you speak to this. You're looking for comfortable and predictable. And yeah. we talked about this a little bit earlier that our culture is they just we want to be comfortable. We want there are so many people right now, a lot of Christians too. They just want to get back to the way it was in late 2019. We need to get that old pandemic out of the way so we can go back to our comfortable life. And you know, my message is this is my Georgia coming out and me, that ain't happening. We ain't going back to that. So talk about that blocker of being comfortable and predictable.
1: I think that we have to stop wanting to be people who never go through anything. I think we have to stop being people who think that we're going to have a map for everything that we do. Like my son is this way. My son Bless his heart. He's 25 years old and he's been this way always. I mean, I I pray that the Lord breaks this off of him. But if it's not easy or fun, Keelan wants nothing to do with it. If it takes effort or if it's not fun, I want no parts of it. Regardless of what I can, you know, he can say, Mom, I want this. And as soon as he finds out that getting there is not going to be fun or easy, he immediately, well, I change my mind. I don't want that. And we're the the same way. Like we want to know, you know, what we're doing it, why we're doing it, how long we're going to do it, how long we're going to do it for. And we want it to all come with grace and ease. Well, if there's anyone that is listening to this episode that that has been their life, then write a book. (laughs) Because I just don't know anyone that that that's been the case. And so why are we searching for something that we don't even have any evidence of we don't know anyone that everything that they've done has been comfortable has been predictable but yet we search we search for that and I don't I don't understand um I, I guess I understand why why we're that way because we want what we want how how we want it but we can if we are looking to only be obedient if it's comfortable or if it's easy then we'll never have what God says we can have we'll never be who he says we can be we'll never do what it is that he says that we can do. It's interesting, um, I, I was gonna say, I don't know why I wrote this down yesterday, but I know now because I was gonna use it. Isaiah 1 and 19, I'd never heard this before last week. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. It didn't say, even in the amplified version, you know in the amplified version where it gives you additional information in parentheses to help you understand it? There's no parentheses that says, And if it's comfortable and if it's easy and if it's predictable and if it's fun, it says if, which means it's conditional, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Hmm. If you want to eat the good of the land, stop looking for it to be comfortable or predictable because your God shift is going to be neither.
0: Yeah. So, so you brought it up. So I want to ask this, My, my wife and I are parents to adults like you are or we call them adults i guess when they get in their 20s they should be adults do do we i mean cuz i think about it and i'm i'm the, i'm a gener- at least one generation ahead of you i wonder if it, sometimes at parents as parents we try to remove a lot of obstacles from our children and we almost train them that possibly life should be easy. And and I think we want it. We want that for our children. I think God wants that for us, but yet we don't really do the things that merit, you know, comfort or whatever we define it as. Do we we mess up as parents? Do you think?
1: I think that I have said for two decades now that I want to write a blog post or something that says growing up middle class ruins our children. (laughs) Um, I don't think it's just middle class though. I think that in an effort for our children to have better lives than what we've had. Um, and, you know, I had a good life. I don't have a, a broke or broken or abandoned or raped or down by the river in the van. I've been fortunate enough not to have any of those scenarios in my life. And I know that's the the reality of many people. Um, but all of us want to give our kids more than what we had, even if we're Bill Gates. Right. And so even if we're Bill Gates children, I guess is a better way to say that. And so I believe that the things that we do in order to make sure that they have the life that we think that they should have, that we actually create parachutes for them instead of nets. Um, I try real hard to make sure that Keelan is equipped to do what it is that he needs to do, but still give him the room to... um, and make the mistakes because I think that that's when he learns. But I, my mother, who will probably come in through the door any day now, or any minute now, um, I've had to like fight her so hard to the nail during my son's entire life to go, I get that you're doing this because you're a your grandmother, but you're actually not helping him and you're not helping what it is that I'm trying to teach him. So for example, I was in Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University when my son was was young, like second, third grade. And I was teaching him principles to, you know, give and not be in a lot of debt, not, you know, whatever. And so I would tell my mom all the time, you keep going to the store with him and getting this because he says, I'll pay you back. You're teaching him to rely on credit and debt when I'm trying to teach him to only buy the things that you have that you have money for. And so that's a very long way of answering the question is that yes, sometimes I think in an effort to give our children a good life, that we um, don't recognize that sometimes they have to go through. Sometimes they have to fall. Sometimes they have to bruise themselves. Sometimes they have to have scrapes and cuts because if we're always trying to find a way to save them from themselves, they never learn anything. And then God forbid we leave before they have their light bulb moment. And then they're like, Oh, where's my safety? Where's my safety net?
0: Well, the bottom line is very similar to you and me and everybody. We've got to walk our own path and and that own path should move towards where yours did in your 30s. Mine did in my late 20s is a relationship with our father creator. It's interesting. Something came to me. I just want to bring this up and then we, we're we going to do a couple of things to wrap. I'm a grandparent now. I've got two granddaughters and I will tell you it's one of the most incredible roles I've ever had. It is the most incredible role I've ever had in my life. And one of the things I thought about while you were saying what you said about you and then your mother, because you know what? She knows he's not going to pay her back. He's not going to pay her back. And she wouldn't take it if he tried. She wouldn't take it if he tried. (laughs) I'm sitting here going, I wonder if God's desire is to function like a grandparent. But Mm. the way we act and the way we aren't obedient, he's got to treat us like a parent. And I I haven't thought that out much, but any quick response on that or anything? I mean, because I'm sitting here going, man, grandparenting is so awesome. Maybe that's probably what God really wants. He wants to give us everything and do all that. But unfortunately, because we're immature, we can't handle it. He has to treat us like a parent. What do you think?
1: I I think to your point, I've never thought of it. But now that in the short 20 seconds that I've had to, I think you're absolutely right. He's like, oh, my gosh, like I have a upon a thousand hills and you know everything that you want I want to give you but number one if I did I would ruin you and you would really be a brat Um, and I'm tired of being a brat enough as it is but number two it's like you have put me in a position where my my hands are tied I did a um, an Instagram live training a couple of hours ago and I gave the six reasons why God may be allowing a door to be shut in our lives And, um, you know, go listen to it if you want to. But yeah, I think sometimes he's like, no, 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 no. I have to, I have to make sure that I either don't open this door. I have to make sure that I shut that one. And here's all the reasons why you've made me do that. And here's all the reasons why I recognize that it's for your good for me to do that.
0: Yeah, that's good. We'll we'll meditate. Yeah. We'll think on that a little bit more. Yeah. So, Shana, what do you what do you want people to get from the book, a God shift, or the podcast or TV show? What 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 do you want them to do or get from that?
1: Yeah. We've talked a little bit. I actually have a um a free guide that people can get that, you know, keeps them from you don't even have to buy the book. It's called When God Says Shift. And we talked a little bit about one of the four shifts. Well, let me back up and say Um, you know, I talked about the fact of, you know, I believe that God uses disruption to get our attention. And then after that, it's kind of like, now, how do we respond to that? And we talked, there's four shifts in this guide that really teaches you that these are, regardless of what you're shifting from and what you're shifting toward, these are going to be the four shifts that are required regardless. And we talked about one of them a little bit, you actually did about, you know, being versus doing and, you know, focusing on who it is that we need to become. Versus what it is that we need to do. And then there's three other shifts in there as well. And they can get that at God says shift.com. God says shift.com. But the biggest thing that I want us to take away is the fact that we actually have authority. Um, in the word, it tells us, I believe it's John 14 and 12. Greater works than these shall you do because I'm going to the father. So basically, God, you know, Jesus was saying to us, like, I'm about to go. God is already in heaven. I'm about to go sit at his right hand and now I'm leaving the Holy Spirit and you here to finish everything out. And so while we're waiting to see what God is going to do next, he's saying, no, I'm waiting to see what you're going to do with what it is that I've already given you. Mm -hmm. And so I want, I think that some of the reasons why we don't overcome adversity, grow our faith and have our dreams come true at the level that they really could is because we, number one, don't recognize that we have authority or two, we just haven't properly learned how to build the muscle to walk in that authority. And so get the guide, it'll change your life. And the moment that we recognize that we have a role to play in God's will for our life is the moment that everything changes.
0: Yeah, that's good. And I appreciate that resource. We'll make sure that's included down in the notes. That leads to the question I was about to ask. How do you want people to connect with you? They've listened in, they've gotten good info, enjoyed this conversation. Where do you want them to go? Get the book or anything like that. And then I've got one more question as we wrap up.
1: So I made it super simple. Everything is a God shift. So, you know, you can go to a God and it's going to tell you what the social media is, what the podcast is, but it's all called a God shift. So I would say that if you're on social media and you're on Instagram, please follow us at a God shift because that's where I am the most active. That's where I talk the most, post the most, do whatever. Um, but get the get the guide because I don't really want you just going and getting a bunch more information. I actually, you remember what I said at the beginning is that I transform Christian lives. So um, I really want you to get into transformation. So the best place to start is to get that free guide and begin to implement those four shifts in your life. And again, it doesn't matter what you're shifting away from or what you're shifting towards. Those are going to be the four shifts that are required. And so I want us to be in doing, not just in you know getting getting more information. But you can always follow me on Instagram at a God shift, but yeah, go get that guide at godsetsshift.com.
0: Yeah, good. We'll include that down in the notes. Shana, we are seek, go create. I'm gonna let you pick one of those words over the other two and tell us why as my final question.
1: Yeah, I don't think it'll be any secret that it's go. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about on this podcast, like they teach us how to be planted, but they don't teach us how to go. You know, we pray, oh Lord, I know you're ordering my, my steps, but we don't move our feet. You know, the only way that you can get traction is to be in action. And so find out where is it that you need to go next. And it's not always, you know, a, a physical, a physical place, you know, where does God need you next? Where does he need you in your mindset? Where does he need you, you know, in, in all of the different ways and go, because I can, for me, if I think about the process, I think I see, see go create as like a, you know, kind of like a process. And like I can seek all I want to do and I can create all I want to want to create, but if I don't go, those things just kind of float in the air, float in the air, kind of, you know. So I think that's where we get the most amount of um, traction, is if we're in action.
0: Yeah, excellent. Shana, thank you so much. I encourage you if you've listened in, make sure you get a copy of The God Shift. And go ahead and put these principles in place in your life and experience your own uh, disruption to destiny, as Shayna said, and check out all her links and things like that in our notes. I wanna thank you for joining us, share this episode, take a screenshot, share it with someone because I know that you know someone that needs to hear this. And in all likelihood, you needed to hear it, but you probably know someone that needs to hear it also. So screenshot, share it on your podcast platform on YouTube, wherever you're listening in. If you're on the socials, that's great too. I appreciate all the information that Shana provided. It was a blessing to me. I know it was a blessing to you. I want to encourage you. We've got new episodes every Monday. Until next time, continue being all that you were created to be.